Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is a very, very special episode, episode 100 of the podcast. We have hit triple digits, my friends, and thank you for sticking with me this whole time and with these episodes and our guests and everything that we've experienced up to this point. It's been a big learning experience uh, in a lot of ways. It's been uh, a really uh, uplifting time for me and hopefully for you as well as we learn together and share together and, of course, interview some amazing people together. Uh, I want to remind you up front as we get into this amazing episode You are absolutely priceless. You're never alone. I think we've said that in just about all of our episodes. Maybe we've missed one or two here or there uh, with this uh, 100 episodes now of the podcast. Just keep that in mind. That's a never-changing, permanent situation, a permanent state for all of us. No matter what you've gone through, what you've done, right or wrong with your life, you are priceless. Your worth exceeds all the riches and nonsense of this world. The riches are found in you and you're never alone, especially right now as we go through this virus situation. If you're listening to this in two years or five years or something, hopefully the podcast is still going. I believe it will be. Uh, But also, uh, you know, we're going through this coronavirus right now in the year 2020. And hopefully uh, we get past this. I believe in all of us. I believe in our abilities and uh, our united resilience as human beings that we can get through this together. Uh, as we move into this interview today, I want to say that we have a video version that's going to be up on YouTube as well because this was a Zoom kind of video interview. Uh, just like one or two previous Zoom interviews we've done recently, I've got to get a new webcam, I think, because the beginning, like the first minute or so, my it's kind of not in sync. <laughs> so it's kind of like a kung fu movie. So you can get some laughter out of that if you want to watch the video version. Uh, but after the first minute or so, I think everything synced up for the most part and uh, was going just fine. Uh, there were a couple message beeps going on, I think, on her computer. So if you hear a beep that sounds like your uh, devices in your home, that's probably not you. That's probably from the interview, but there's just a couple throughout the interview. And sometimes this goes on in Zoom. So uh, in any case, great interview. We covered all kinds of uh, ground with her. We covered her background, for one thing, and uh, marriage. And she gave Grant a hard time. Uh, 13 plus months. I didn't realize all this, uh, but she'll get into all that in the interview. Some interesting stories there and uh, some of her background and how that fed into what went on between them. And it took a guy like Grant, I think, to win over Elena uh, because of uh, kind of some of where she was in life and what she thought about relationships and stuff. But uh, fascinating people, very dynamic woman. We also got into some things related to parenting and uh, business in general, words of encouragement with this coronavirus thing going on. A lot of general principles that relates to relationships and marriage and stuff as well. But uh, keep in mind, Women in Power, the G&E show, uh, 10X Lady, she has all these things going on. You can find it all at elenacardone.com and uh, gear and all kinds of stuff as well. Uh, she's also a best-selling author and an amazing public speaker. Before we get into the interview, our challenge is real fast. Study, keep studying. Our second challenge, make great moments. And of course, let's keep doing this podcast together. Without further ado, here is our interview with the one and only incredibly dynamic and fascinating Elena Cardone. Here we go. Okay, we're here with the, uh, boy, incredible author, businesswoman, uh, public speaker, uh, so many other things, just all around inspirational woman, Elena Cardone. How are you doing today, Elena? Thank you. What a great introduction. I'm great. (laughs) Yeah, well, I almost need no introduction at this stage. I, I've been following you guys for a while and uh, just real interested in, you guys fascinate me. Plus, you guys raise girls. I raise boys. So I think we can compare some notes on that level a little bit as we talk today. I'd love to compare notes. I mean, I don't know who has it harder. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably there's 
ups and downs on all sides of that <laughs> pros yeah. and cons all, but I, you know, I grew up all boys, so I, I don't have a ton of the, we'll get into some of that. Um, tell me a little about your background because you got into acting and things, but where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Madrid, Spain as an American citizen on Spanish oil. Wow. Yeah. Cool. My, my mom worked in the embassy over there. So, but I only lived there until I was one, which is why I don't speak Spanish because they only spoke Spanish when they were there as Americans having. To oh, speak. really? So it wasn't their, that wasn't their first language. So when we moved back to the States, they didn't speak Spanish. They spoke English. So unfortunately yeah. missed out on growing up with hearing Spanish in the household. Um, but Goodness. then I was reared in New Orleans, Louisiana, and that was crazy. And unless you're from <laughs> yeah. New Orleans, uh, you probably won't even have a clue as to what I'm talking about, nor would you actually believe some of the stories that, that I could tell you about that place. But it was wild. It was crazy. Uh, there is, like, there's no character that you'll meet in the world like the ones you meet in New Orleans. And I love <laughs> where I'm from. And then from there at 17, I moved out of New Orleans and went to Los Angeles to pursue the modeling acting career. Yeah. Um, really as an escape to get out of New Orleans and, mm. um, and found myself in Los Angeles for many, many years. I think 22 to be exact. And yeah. then finally, after I married Grant and had both kids, we decided to move to Miami. And that turned out to be a very lucrative and beneficial move and transition for us and for the company so yeah now I'm yeah Miami. okay and, and so are you an only child then is that uh i have a sister who's five years older than me and she oh okay she lives in oakland california and she has two kids yeah and i lived in la myself for a little bit uh, i moved to vegas you know last year so i'm I'm up the road, but you're down in Miami as we speak, right? So is Grant with you now or he's, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's with me now. He's at the office a mile away. Um, cool. we were set, we were, um, dividing and conquering separated for two weeks. He did some self enhancement, uh, type work. Um, and Sabrina went along with them. So they just did a confidence course course together and they got to spend father daughter time together. And then Scarlett and I held down the fort here but fortunately mm -hmm. on Easter, we were able to reunite. And now, you know, there's, we, we have no plans to be apart. We're very happy to be together again. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. Uh, so, and we'll get back to, to some of this stuff with the, with your background, getting to know Grant and stuff, but how are you guys handling this coronavirus pandemic situation? Cause everyone's kind of dealing a little differently, but most people are kind of locked down to some extent. How are you guys handling it? You know, really well. Grant's done a number of web webinars and really coaching people through this, giving them a plan of action on how to get through this, the exact steps they need to take. Um, when there is a plan and you are prepared, it does tend to alleviate stress. Mm -hmm. um, stress comes from worry, anxiety of the not know or the unknown. So, you know, we've just been trying to um, figure out and look into the future at every case scenario and come back to present time and plan accordingly of what we want to look like on the other side of this, what we want the company to look like on the other side of this. And we're just working every single day, taking steps at what we can control in order mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. 
to become what we want to be on the other side. We both experienced this in 2008, so I feel Grant and I have a more of a leg up this time. Um, yeah. Certainly prepared better this time. I know what we did. I know the successful actions we did last time that got us through, and and we're going to re-implement that going forward. So, so you know, we're doing pretty good. You know, good. It's it's stressful for everyone, no matter who you are. There's going to be moments of of stress, but it can be mitigated when you yeah. do um, a plan. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I've seen Grant and some of his because I listen to some of your podcasts and stuff too, where he's talking about go back to where you have basically no money and uh, <laughs> and just your mindset to go to zero. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, and and everyone's in a different situation. You know, a lot of people have lost jobs and stuff, so. Uh, it's, it's a tough deal. I, I, I want to talk real quick about going back to this background thing and maybe we'll get back to the pandemic stuff, but <laughs> you went to LA at 17, which is a pretty young age. Was that a big change coming from New Orleans? I've never been to New Orleans. I'm a musician, so I'd love to go. <laughs> a lot of great history there, but coming to LA, was it a big shift for you? Um, not really. I was, um, pretty wild at the time, you know, from <laughs> 14 to 17. I, I kind of went off the rails a little bit. I had an incident occur where my best friend who lived across the street perished in a fire and I witnessed mm. it and it was very devastating for me. I didn't know how to uh, deal with that and that loss or, or everything that encompassed that for a young child at 14. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, uh, my solution became to just kind of delve into the punk rock scene and self-medicate and consume excess amounts of alcohol. And, and then I hung out with that sort of crowd. So, you know, and I was partying in the streets of New Orleans from 14. I know it sounds unimaginable, but from 14 to 17, I literally would be in the French Quarter and coming home at <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. And wow. so, you know, you know, I'd go out with my sunglasses and wear them home. So, so I was used to seeing a lot of very bizarre, wild things. And, and unfortunately from 14 to 17, you hang out in that lifestyle and then there's going to be more deaths. I had about eight more friends pass away from suicide, four in a car, mm. one fell off the balcony. Like, you know, when you're running in rough crowds like that, it, with, when people are reckless with drugs and alcohol, there's going to be accidents. And so... Yeah. That was a time in my life. It was a wake up call at 17 where I said, you know what, I can stay here and just use my best friend as an excuse to continue to ruin my life. Or I can go out of here and try to become something and make a difference and, and, and change my life. So when my parents at 17 and I sat them down and said, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And they said, um, what are you talking about? No, you're not. You're going to, we're afraid you're going to get into drugs and alcohol and you're going to be peer pressured. And I said, here are the cold, hard facts. <laughs> uh, no one can peer pressure me because I've pretty much done it all. And the drugs that I've decided not to do, I've decided I'm never going to do. Cocaine is one of them. I've never done it. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of that. Um, <laughs> but I can't really brag about a whole lot more. Yeah. So, 
um, so I just told him, I said, you know, you're, you know, this is why I want to leave. I want to make a difference. I, I want to um, become better. I want to get myself out of this situation. I can't live in a house where every single day I walk in and out of my front door and I have to see that house every single day. I got to go. Mm. And so my parents, um, and I said, you know, and I want your support. And so my parents did give me my support that, that I needed. And, you know, they, they trusted me. They've always trusted me. They didn't realize what I was doing when they trusted me, but they've always been my best friends, my biggest supporters and allies. And so when I made the decision to leave at 17, they completely backed me and I, I was on the road. I was, I never got perfect. I was, you know, still dabbled and whatever, but for the most part, I got out of that environment. So, yeah. Um, so I wasn't afraid because I was wild. I mean, when you're that wild, like a move at 17 to Los Angeles by yourself really doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Right. Right. When yeah. No. About it now as a mother of an eight and a 10 year old, I think, what the heck? Like, where did I get that strength? Where was, where did I have that courage and the audacity? Now I've kind of reversed a little because I, you know, have so much yeah. more responsibility and people to think about and I think 17 is so young I see my 10 year old I'm like wow in seven years I know <laughs> you know yeah I think because I have eight and ten year old boys myself so we're kind of in a similar boat but opposite yeah. gender <laughs> um boy wow what a history I'm sorry to hear about all those losses friends especially and uh and coming to LA you know sounds like it wasn't a big shocker because you'd already kind of been through New yeah, Orleans is a wild city. New Orleans is a wild city. So, you know, the the guy, you know, the guys that try to do their shtick or whatever. You know, <laughs> I, I I mean at 14 I was already able to see through all of that. Um I'm not saying I'm not naive, but I'm naive in a very different way. When it comes mm. to um street smart, I'm very like you you really can't pull a whole lot over me. But mm -hmm. I am very naive and I know this. I know this is my weakness. I'm very naive when it comes to people playing on my heartstrings because mm -hmm. I know that like I want to help people. And so I have a tendency to believe in people and believe what they tell me and believe their sob story. So I I know I'm naive like that. But when it comes to street smarts, from new orleans you you gotta be you gotta really have lived under a rock to not know what's going on so it sounds like you've always kind of been a strong girl and woman were guys kind of intimidated by you <laughs> no i never no i never felt like guys were intimidated with me i've always hung out with guys i've I've always run with guys. So I've always been like one of the guys. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, every now and then a guy in the group would like me or something. But for the most part, the guys really saw me as one of the guys. I was like the wing woman, you know, like they yeah. love hanging out with me because, because I'm a wing woman. Because I could say to a woman in a club or whatever, oh my God, I love your shirt or this or that. And then my guy friend could be talking to me and I'm like, oh my God, this is my best friend and hang on him and be like, oh my God, I love him so much. And then they're talking and then, you know, the rest is history. So uh. guys loved having me around. I was like one of the guys to them. They were very protective of me, like a little sister. Yeah. And uh, they've never felt intimidated by me because I've always kind of been a down home kind of girl. Yeah, well, and certainly Grant, was, it sounds like, was never intimidated because 
you kind of put him through the ringer from what I understand. It's, uh, he was calling you for, what was it? You guys went on a date. Well, no, he met you at a, like a commercial shoot, right? And, and then from there, what happened? Because he was real interested from day one. He thought, this is my wife. And you're thinking, no. <laughs> thinking, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I met him on a commercial shoot. Uh, I lived in LA for a number of years at this point. And mm -hmm. the director gave him my number, which is a huge no-no. You don't give somebody's number uh, from the call sheet. It's just yeah. like, those are the Hollywood rules. And he broke them. The director gave it to him. He calls me. He's like, yeah, this is Green Cardone. And you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then he ends it with, you know, people that hang out with me, their lives tend to improve. And yeah. I was like, this, okay, this is the all-time cheesiest line I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And so I was like, this guy's never getting a, another return phone call, which he didn't. And then that's when he proceeded to call twice a month, every month for the next 13 months <laughs> in the answering machine days. So there was like an actual answering machine that. I'm yeah, sure yeah. Sure. But um, so I never returned any of his calls until finally he got smart enough to, um, <laughs> to play on my weakness, which is guns. I was a competitive uh, shot shooter <laughs> at the time. I shot sporting clay and trap. I'm horrible at skeet, but I can wow. I used to be able to kill at sporting clay and, and trap. So uh, he found that out from a friend of mine. He kind of got into the circle. He left a message. Hey, I rented the shooting range. Do you want to shoot? Single girl, it's expensive. I used to shoot all the time. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, he wants to play that game? All right. So, you know, yeah. I went to the shooting range, totally just willing to just like, you know, exploit him and let him spend money on me. I know I was terrible. It was horrible. But, but <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, fine. But what ended up happening, yeah. I was like, wow, he's kind of a cool guy, but just as a friend. Anyway, long story short, he gets into the circle in my group. After that, um, we become friends, like for real. And, but I knew he liked me. And he just, he was like no man I have ever met before in my life because I was determined never to let a man inside my heart. And I was Houdini of all Houdinis. I could wiggle my way and disappear out of any relationship, out of any, any circumstance. And wow. I was professional. I mean, like I hung out with dudes. I mean, I, I, I knew what to do. So, um, hmm. so Grant would just, you know, he was just constantly a stable, a stable person that would just not leave my life, no matter what gimmicks or tricks I tried to do to make him just like leave me alone. It never worked. He just saw through all of my BS. No, nothing would work on him. He saw like into my soul. And that was the first time I was like, wow, I don't know why this guy likes me, but I think he really likes me. I don't, I don't even, I don't even mm. know what he's in me. I didn't even see me and me. I was too busy being so many other things, you know, yeah. I'm in my twenties. Um, but it became attractive to, to me, that persistence and someone who really was interested in me. And I slowly, very slowly, I just kind of started to, to open up and it became safe to allow someone to really go into my heartbeat that was so sealed off from all the losses and the people and the hurt and the 
deaths and, you know, I had to be mm. strong and not let all of that pain penetrate me. So I made so many decisions on never to feel love or to feel anything really. Mm. And, and wow. he would break that down in me. And he's the only man that, that, that ever has. And, and he's, you know, he's been an, an incredible partner for me in the last 16 years as challenging as it has been at times but like you know I went from this having to be this really strong independent woman never depend on a man Hollywood like I'm gonna (laughs) do this thing on my own to um, actually realizing the challenges that Grant has presented to me over the years and how I've had to adjust and rise to the occasion and anyway out of all of that, I've had the epiphany that I really found my true strength, power, and independence as a woman, ironically, came from a man. He never gave yeah. it to me. He never gave it to me, but I found it through my experiences with him. And so, you know, for that, I'm eternally grateful for, for mm-hmm. how he has shown up and, and, and impressed upon me my 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 life yeah it sounds like uh thank you for explaining and sharing all that that's uh some deep stuff there there's probably a couple therapy sessions in there too but we'll address that later i don't do therapy you don't the record for that right now don't believe in it i don't really no 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 i don't believe okay Mm -mm. well in the interest of time we're not going to get into that topic maybe next time we'll talk about therapy because uh people have different ideas about it but it sounds like it, it took a guy like Grant from what you're explaining about decisions you'd made about your heart and relationships, a, a tenacious go-getter guy like him to finally break you down. Cause you were talking well over a year and a lot of persistent. He wasn't like being a creeper, you know, every day calling you 30 times. It was twice a month. He said, and it and was were- nice messages on the machine. I never felt threatened by them. I never even thought twice about them, but they were, you know, they, I remember he would try to mix in some humor here and there. It was never anything I felt <laughs> threatened or worried about. Yeah. Well, he finally broke you down and convinced you and sounds like, uh, it sounds like it's been a good thing. So that's, I'm happy for you. Um, you two have talked about that you had to work on yourselves in order to kind of be uh uh, deserving or worthy of each other talk about that a little bit if you don't mind is that is that something because like you said you don't believe in therapy so what do we talk about with working on ourselves well this is uh, an epiphany I had and I can't really speak about Grant I don't know what he did to work on himself before he met me um, has he talked about that well you guys addressed it in a couple interviews I did some homework here um, wow okay so but not not, not a lot of depth like really what did he do well i've been spying on you no i'm just kidding i know (laughs) go ahead um i went to a girl's night one time and you know especially back then i used to like really roll my eyes at that 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 girl scene which Mm -hmm. now like i need women in my life more than ever because i need that understanding and they get me in a way that i never even knew a woman could understand me and I need that. But back then, going back to my immature self in my 20s, I, mm-hmm. uh, I just thought girls did hokey things. And this was a classic example of one. I went to this girl's night and they're lighting candles and you know, oh, all that stuff that just makes me want to puke. <laughs> and, 
and they're lighting candles and we had to write on a piece of paper everything that we wanted in a man and I'm like oh god like nothing makes me more nauseous but <laughs> I was like okay I want to you know I want to fit in I always try to fit in and so I write everything down on the little piece of paper and I and then we had to twirl it up and stick it in copper and wear it around our necks and and I did until my neck turned green and it actually broke off but yeah the small on the smallest little pieces of paper over a hundred things on this list and they're amazing i put ethically ambitious i mean i wrote everything my friend said be clear you have to be very i put monogamous i put heterosexual i'm from new orleans like i've seen it all mm. yeah. so i put like you know <laughs> never been married you know doesn't have kids loves his wife you know loves his mom and sister sorry not his wife and anyway i was just very clear on this list but the cognition that I had after writing that list and I felt like all the women there were like, yes, we deserve this and that. Well, when I looked at the list, I thought, you know what, if this man actually existed in real life, maybe I could be with one person for the rest of my life. Because in my twenties, I never, I was never the type of girl who dreamed of a wedding day or even wanted to have kids. I was, like a dude i was like i'm gonna mm. be single forever and be happy mm -hmm. but i thought if i saw this list and that guy existed i could be with him for the rest of my life maybe maybe and then i looked at the list and i said well if this guy existed what would his look his list look like from his point of view of the girl he would be with Wow. So I wrote a list of what he would write from his point of view. And that's when I realized I was never going to show up in that guy's radar because I was not a, a lot of the things I was on the list, but there was a lot of things I wasn't on the list. And one of them, which is like be, wanting to be in a marriage, a committed marriage, wanting to have kids and wanting to, you know, have, you know, a lot of the things I just wasn't there mentally in my thinking. And, and, you know, I was going to clubs at the time and drinking and my guy, that guy would not want that from this woman. And mm -hmm. so that's when I decided, you know what, even if this doesn't pan out, even if I'm not doing this for a guy, like I took a look at myself and looked at how I can improve myself. So I started to clean up again. You know, I was never mm. an alcoholic. I was never a drug addict. Fortunately, I don't know why, but you know, yeah. I recreational slam some whiskeys. I mean, you know, this girl's from new Orleans. We know how to <laughs> rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just started hanging out with a different group of people. I gave up alcohol. I, stopped hanging out in the clubs as much. You know, I just started really working on myself. I started reading books. I started to figure out how to take self-improvement classes. I just started working more on my craft as an actress. So I started doing, that's what I mean by started to self-enhance and self-working on myself. And ironically, yeah. I met Grant almost immediately after I did that list, but I couldn't wow. see him because I wasn't there yet. Wow, what a great perspective, though, and maybe some food for thought for all of us in or out of relationship to be our best. It's kind of a two-way street, two-sided coin, and you got to take care of you and, you know, be worthy of each other and stuff. But um, in the interest of time, I want to quickly talk about parenting, too, because you got these, these two girls, eight and ten, and I've got my two boys, eight and ten. 
how is it raising girls? I, you know, I, I grew up all boys and I have two boys now. So <laughs> let's compare some notes. You know, it's challenging being a mother, you know. Um, let's doing all the other things you do. Yeah, it's so, you know, I, I struggle. I try so hard to have, be patient and I'm learning, but I have to change my whole way of life, which is different than I see Grant's having to change because, you know, because it, uh, how do I explain it all? It's because I'm the mother, you know, I have to adjust my life. If, if we want to go somewhere, I have to figure out, well, who can stay and watch the kids or who's going to do that? Whereas he can just take off and go. Yes. But let me finish this. For a second. <laughs> Speaking of being a mom. <laughs> Not now. When I'm done, I'll talk to you. Okay. Um, you know, so I just, so, so many of my life, the way I was as a, not as a single, but as a single or as a married woman, so much of that had to change when kids came into the picture and, yeah. and, you know, and, and I'm dealing with their personalities now that they're eight and 10 and sensitivity and what's, was I too hard or this or that? And I just, I just want to do it right. And I just want to be loving but yet I have to lay down the the rules you know and 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 give them as much freedom to be themselves and be self-determined over their decisions and their choices but within a parameter and I also mm. let them know that if they cross the parameter that is a choice and they can make that choice and I'm not going to get mad at them I try very hard not to get mad at them for making the choice but they do have to understand that when they cross that line, these are the consequences. And, and then I have to be strong enough to implement that. And, you know, like just recently, I had to take Sabrina's phone away because there were some agreements made with the phone. And she told me that we were going to, I thought the situation was handled. And then I caught her and it wasn't handled. So I've taken the phone away like permanently. So, and I know that's mm -hmm. a big source of upset for her and that I have to be the bad guy on that. But but you know, but that's something I have to do. So it's tricky being a parent because you're constantly, you don't, you haven't gone enough into the future to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done that differently or this differently. Yeah, yeah. That didn't really matter. And this did matter. And I should have done more of this. And I do try to play those scenarios because I, I told you in the beginning, you know, I do try to put myself into the future and kind of plan for every scenario, then come into present and figure out what I'm going to do to look like on the other side. So I have done a little bit of that where I try to go 10 years further and come back and figure out what's really important, but it's yeah. not easy because that's all hypothetical, Yeah. So, you know, but it is a rewarding experience. My children are extremely kind, loving. They're in exchange with the family. They're always on team Cardone. They're pitching in, they're helping out, they're shooting videos, they're passing out flags on the world tour. They're not, you know, giving us so many problems where we have to come off of our work and worry about them. They're incredible children. And, you know, yes, they have their little fights between each other every now and then. But my gosh, mm -hmm. I look back when my sister and I fought, I mean, we were like, like I was, we were drawing blood. <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. Like they don't even hit each other. It's just, <laughs> you know, but still, I mean, it, you know? Yeah, yeah no, I know, I know. Cause I was, I was that way with my brothers too. It's uh, you were and, and then you look back and realize, boy, now that I'm a parent, there's a whole different kind of perspective. Cause you're looking at it from, from that angle and yeah. all the worry and stuff. I mean, I feel like, 
our parents didn't even know half of it because we were out in the neighborhood running wild until dark. They didn't know we were <laughs> killing each other, beating each other up. and Yeah, no iPads and so many video games and stuff is now. So it's, it's a different world. But um, boy, who are some of your heroes? As we get close to wrap up here, I like to ask someone like you something like that. Do you have heroes because you're an actress, but also you do these other things business-wise and stuff? Who, who are some of your heroes, if you have any? Um, you know, I certainly look up to Grant. He's a hero of mine. I'm, a, I'm his biggest fan. Um, but, you know, I love Audrey Hepburn. I think she was an amazing actress. Mm -hmm. She was classy. She was dignified. She was philanthropic. She never lost her way in that Hollywood scene. She was... You know, she really broke some glass ceilings for women. I just really admire her. That's one person I really kind of look up to. But there was a lot of them, especially in that era. And I'm looking at actresses right now, but I loved Audrey Hepburn and her audacity and boldness. <laughs> sure. I, mean, I, I can look at a lot of people and find qualities that, that really impress me and, and that I want to emulate, you know. But certainly not all of everyone's story, you know, like Catherine Hepburn. I didn't like that she was having an affair with Spencer Tracy, who was a married man. But <laughs> there's parts of me that can see certain sides. And I can do that with, with many different people. And, you know, certainly like the major leaders like Martin Luther King and oh, you know, yeah. his, his power and his ability to, um, to influence the behavior of others and to be peaceful and calm, but yet be so strong and powerful and, you know, really guide people. Like there's just so many people I could go down a huge list that, that, that I admire for their courage. You know, if we're on that road, like Rosa Parks, you know, can you imagine what courage that took to, to do what she did to get attention? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just, I mean, there's nothing like you could just go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. I'm just, I'm moved by people that want to make a difference for the better in this world, that have the courage um, to go after it and to try it in spite of personal harm or danger. And mm -hmm. those are the people that I admire and I look up to and I want to be courageous enough to, 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 to do what they did. Well, I think you're probably a hero to a lot of people too. Uh, but boy, we've touched on a lot of stuff that we're gonna have to do a sequel. Now we got to dig deeper in all these little areas from the acting to the parenting to, but we've, we've touched the tip of the iceberg and got some fascinating additional details. And I appreciate you spending some time with us here. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Any words of encouragement as people are going through this pandemic or any other tips parenting wise or anything as we, as we wrap up here? Yeah, you know, just encouraging words through this pandemic is don't make any uh, decisions. Don't divorce your spouse. <laughs> don't mm. make any really hardcore decisions that uh, you may later regret. Um, just understand people are experiencing stress right now, chronic stress of long duration by being put under pressure of, you know, the not knowingness of what is going on. Be kind to people. If you are of the responsibility level where you're willing to own who you are and your power, then make a decision to be the beacon of inspiration, be the person that others can depend on, be the calm, be the power. The power is, what is power? It's the ability or capacity to influence the behavior of others. So mm -hmm. when others are going wild and crazy and off the rails, can you just exhibit a little bit of power and get them back on the right track 
and influence them to go in a better direction. And if you just did that for one person, you could really help change the world. So this is a time where the world needs a little bit of healing right now and anything you can do to own up to the responsibility that you have in that participation of helping with the healing process, of helping everyone get stronger, bigger, and more unstoppable on the other side of this. How can you dig in and find the opportunity, make the opportunity, create the opportunity to become your best self, not only for yourself, but for your family, for the, com uh, the community, and for the world? Yeah. Great, great advice. Great insights. And thank you for opening up to us. Um, so Women in Power, the G&E show, 10X Ladies. We got gear on ElenaCardone.com. All kinds of great stuff out there. And of course, we can find you on social media at Elena Cardone. Yep. And, and I have uh, a free book if, you, if you're doing some reading at this time. It's ElenaCardone.com forward slash empire. The book is free if you want to read that. Of course, I think it's a good read right about now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, great. Thanks for the time. Let's do a sequel one of these days. And for our audience, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.